good, Rocky Peak. How are we doing, 9 o'clock? Hey, it is good to be with you once again, whether you're joining us for the first time or the millionth time, whether you're joining us online. Welcome to Rocky Peak this weekend. If we haven't met, my name is Dre. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and I'm going to lead us in that time of teaching. But before I do, there is one thing I need to address. I'm just going to put this right here. Right for the cameras. Um, you know, all week I've had several of you like, what are you gonna wear on stage? What are you gonna wear on stage? And I just wanna be clear, even I'm not that obnoxious. Not gonna go in. But I do have a picture to show you what I'm gonna look like in a few hours. So there we go. Guys, look like we're we're the world's last line of defense against Taylor Swift. And so we it's up to us. It's, uh, hey, uh, if you haven't done so already, inside your program is a green and white message note sheet. It's a great tool to help you follow along. There's also some, oh, you got a jersey on. Here we go. Let's go. It's also an opportunity to be able to jot down anything in the white space the Holy Spirit is prompting you to remember. I'm ready to give you everything I got. You ready, 9 o'clock? All right, let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. <sighs> Jesus, thank you for this place. Thank you that we have to come and laugh and have fun over a silly game. Thank you that we have to come and smile and have a donut, have a cup of coffee, meet people, see relationships, connections. Thank you that we get to come as we are. Some of us are coming, uh, are coming as part of just a good season with lots of hope, sunshine, good successes, gifts that we're seeing Thank you that this is a place that some of us are coming and we're empty, we're hurt, we're broken, we're experiencing circumstances. Thank you that this is a place where we get to come as we are, but because you are meeting us here, thank you that this is a place where we get to leave different. And that doesn't always mean that our circumstances are going to be lifted, but we get to leave with a different heart. We get to leave with a heart that is more in tune with you, that has been more, that experienced more of your love, more of your grace, more of your spirit pouring out on us. And so as we go into this time, as we open up your word, which is living and active, Jesus, we are here to hear. Speak, King Jesus. We are committing our hearts and our soul to you. And so finally, as I often pray as a communicator, I pray that I would become much, much less, that this is not about me. I pray that you, King Jesus, would become much, much more because you are the Christ, you are the King of kings, you are the Savior of all. And so we are excited to learn more about you. And it's in your name, King Jesus, we all said, Amen. Amen. Rocky Peak, this morning we're going to be continuing the series we've been in called Hearing God. And really the vision and the heart behind the series is simple. That we believe that God has an epic vision for each of our lives. And that's an epic vision where we are living in an intimate and personal relationship with the person of Jesus. This is an epic vision where we are living with a greater awareness of the presence and power of Jesus with us day in and day out. This is a vision in which we are living under the lead leadership of King Jesus to be able to carry out his specific visions and callings for each of our lives. And because we believe that God has an epic vision for each of our lives, we believe strongly that one of the, if not the most important or most critical skills we can develop as Christ followers is learning how to recognize and respond to the voice of God in our lives through the various means that God uses to speak. And so for those of you that are brand new, over the last three weeks, Michael's been setting a big picture foundation, been establishing some key truth that yes, God is still speaking today, and also talking about that God tends to speak to a specific type of person, someone who is committed and makes it their top priority to learn to hear the voice of God in their lives. And so if you're brand new or you need a refresher, those messages are up on our YouTube channel or up on rockypeak.com. 
www.ethicsmartmedia.org. But for our time this morning, we're going to begin a transition in this series. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking specific ways that God speaks to us. And so the topic on the table for us is the Bible, that we learn to hear God through the written word, the holy scriptures. Now, as I present that topic, I want to begin by asking you a couple of rhetorical questions. That means I just want you to begin to consider this. You might need to continue to ponder these beyond our time together, but here's the first one. How do you see the Bible? What is the Bible to you? How do you see the Bible? Now again, this is an honest time for you to, for, for just between you and the Lord. And so what I wanna encourage you is I'm not asking you to answer aspirationally. I'm not asking you to give the answer you think I would wanna hear or even God would wanna hear. It's an honest assessment. How do you see the Bible? How do you engage with the Bible? What does the Bible mean to you? How would you even explain it to someone in your life or even kids in your life? Hey, this is the role of the Bible in my life or the role of the Bible in our lives as Christians. How do you see the Bible? And then a follow-up, how did that become your view? See, to use a key word, how is that view formed? in your life. Because however it is that you see the Bible in this moment didn't just happen. Whether you have a high, positive, beautiful view, whether you have like a very low, it's boring, I don't understand it view, or whether many of you, your honest answer is I really don't know. But again, our view doesn't just happen, it's been formed. And so what's been your journey that has formed your view of the Bible? And so let me show you what I mean by walking you briefly through my journey in life of how I've come to see the Bible the way I do. So let's do a little bit of Dre, this is your life, shall we? So I need to go back to my earliest years. I need to go back to when I was a little kid in elementary age. And so when I was young, thank you, thank you. I like that I still comb my hair the same way all these years later. <laughs> I grew up in a household where my mom is still a beautifully devout Catholic woman, and so I grew up going to Mass with her. And so I had heard about this thing called the Bible. And I had heard people call it the Word of God. But that was it. I didn't know what it was beyond that. We didn't have one in our home. Whenever we would go to church, we didn't interact with it. We didn't use it. My friends that were growing up in similar religious households didn't have one in their home. I had never seen a Bible in person in my elementary age years. And so when I think back to young me, I remember thinking that the Bible was important in some way spiritually, but also I remember thinking that the Bible wasn't intended for normal people like us. And then if we fast forward a few years to when I was in middle school. See, when I was in middle school, my family experienced a series of hardships and difficult circumstances that resulted in me being the youngest of three kids, being the first and only of the siblings to be sent to a Christian private school. And at a Christian private school, they require you to have a Bible. And I remember vividly my dad and I being absolutely confused because we didn't know where to get one. For you young people, there was no Amazon at the time. <laughs> we didn't know where to get a Bible. And finally, my dad remembered that because we grew up in Mission Hills, there's a little strip mall on Sepulveda and San Fernando Mission, that there was a little Christian bookstore next to the laundromat that we frequented as a family. And I walked in all nervous with my syllabus, like I need one of these. <laughs> And for the next several years, the Bible became a textbook to me. As we began reading it, I was pleasantly surprised that there were actually stories inside the Bible. I didn't know that. I began learning facts about the Bible, and they were engaging facts. They were cool historical facts, but for the next several years, that's all they were to me. They were facts, and please hear me. That has nothing to do with the institution or the educators. That has everything to do with the state of my heart. My heart wasn't ready to see the Bible as anything more. And again, I want to make an important note about that. My heart wasn't also defi outwardly defiant against the Bible. It just wasn't ready. 
And then if we fast forward a couple more years to when I'm in high school through a series of events, I got invited and I began coming to the high school ministry here at Rocky Peak. And I want to do a quick sidebar here. How did a mouthy kid with no church background from Mission Hills end up as part of a church group? Because someone invited me. Please never underestimate the power and the impact of a simple invitation to church. So someone invited me and I started coming and I ended up going to the summer camp. And I don't remember what the preaching was about, but I do remember that the preaching was built each night around, around Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life will find it. And I remember one particular night that scripture was up on the screens and I remember reading it and it was the first time in my life I can say that was God speaking to me through the the Bible. And that scripture led me to giving my life to Jesus. And when I gave my life to Jesus, experienced his forgiveness, his transformation, the gift of his spirit in my life as a young teenager, as I've shared before, then my life group leader encouraging me, if you want to grow, read the Bible. And all of a sudden now with the Holy Spirit in me, I come to the Bible and I begin seeing, whoa, this is more than I realized. God is speaking through this. And that started a new journey that at 41 years of age, I'm still on today. And in fact, I didn't have the words then, but I want to point you to your note sheet. This is what I discovered about the Bible as a teenager. Louis Giglio is one of my favorite preachers of all time. He's a pastor out in Atlanta, Georgia, and he writes this. The Bible declares that it is altogether different the holy, sacred, inspired, alive, inactive word of God. The Bible is comprised of God-breathed words. What you are holding is not simply ink on a page, or I would add words on a screen. It is breath on a page. And so as we as a church continue on this journey of hearing God, when it comes to how does God speak to us as a church and how does God speak to us in our individual lives, the journey of hearing God not only beautifully starts, but needs to be beautifully built upon the word of God, upon the Bible. And that is what we're going to be unpacking today. So there in your note sheet, you've got a section titled the word of God, a renewed understanding. And so to understand how God speaks, how we hear God through the Bible, we first need to set a foundation for what the Bible is in the first place. And so I want to say something before we jump in. We're going to be unpacking two core truths. And for those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a significant amount of time, what I'm going to cover today is likely not going to be new information, but I still want to encourage us veterans, so to speak, that sometimes we can become numb to these core truths. And so let's pray, Jesus, renew us, refresh us so that we can gain a bigger view of what your word is, amen? All right, let's jump in. So the first truth is this, you're feeling, the Bible is the primary way that God speaks. The Bible is the primary way that God speaks. And would you just circle the word primary? Now note of this distinction, not the only way, but it is the primary way. And to make this statement, what are we declaring? That the Bible is bigger than often we realize. To hear God through the word, to hear God's voice through the word, we need a bigger view of what the Bible is. Because hearing God is built upon the Bible for the sole reason that the Bible is the voice of God in our lives. When we say, I want to hear God in our lives, He has gifted us a collection of his voice. And so all of this is built upon that. And so the reason why we need to start here is because often in our Christian lives, we make a false separation that the Bible and hearing God are separate things. 
And when we make that separation, what happens is we begin seeking the voice of God in other areas, but we don't think to start with the written word. We don't think to start with his voice, with the scriptures that he is given us. And again, what that is revealing is that we need a bigger view of what the Bible is because often unintentionally, but emotionally, our view of the Bible is the same view we have of going to the dentist. <laughs> now let me unpack this illustration a little bit, and before I get emails, I like my dentist, it's fine. Like, actually, I love my hygienist. Debbie, you're the best in the business. Okay, now, we would all probably say on an intellectual level that the dentist is good we would all probably say that we are thankful that the dentist is there in a state of emergency when we need to use it, but we would all probably say it is an unpleasant experience and I try to get out of it as much as possible. And I was thinking about like why this week and I came, it's the sounds, huh? Like there are no pleasant sounds in a dentist's office, but ultimately many of us view the dentist in this way. How do I get as much of the benefits with as little participation as possible? How do I get all the good without having to actually do anything? I'm gonna call you out because I'm doing it. I know what you're doing the night before your appointment. You're trying to figure out how do I make it look like I've been flossing this whole time. <laughs> and even if you are, you're still gonna get yelled at. But the reason why I use this illustration is functionally, whether we realize it or not, that's how many of us are operating when it comes to the Bible. How do I hear God? How do I get the benefits of hearing God in my life without the Bible? Without using the Bible, without engaging with the word of God. And yet, and again, in many cases, that may be unintentional, but let's think of our actions and think of how we engage. Functionally, that's the message we're saying. Now, my intent and my hope is not to stand up here and guilt and shame you. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. But the reason why I want to bring up this uncomfortable truth is like we bring up any uncomfortable truth here, it's an opportunity for God to do something more. Amen. And so we start here so that God can give us something new, so that we can build in a new way. And so why is the Bible primary? Because it's God's voice. It's his breath. And I want to show you this in scripture. If you turn with me in the New Testament, we're going to be going to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a young leader, a young pastor named Timothy. First and second Timothy in particular are great books on leadership. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse 14. We're not going to do a deep, deep dive into it, but I want to just highlight a few key things. Starting in verse 14, the Apostle says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Would you underline or highlight that phrase, the holy scriptures? In fact, I named this message that, the holy scriptures, because what I love of what Paul is telling Timothy is that title is not simply religious jargon, but to say that scripture is holy, the definition of holy means that scripture has been set apart by God, it is nothing ordinary, it is completely different from anything else you're gonna find on earth. Here's the beautiful thing, you Christ follower are called to be holy as well. So this is a beautiful title, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This word saves. And then verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed. Would you underline or highlight that? All Scripture is God-breathed. There are certain translations that write it, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Pause on that. God breathed. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. None of that is about getting more facts. All of that is about transformation. 
all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so let's stop right there and unpack the magnitude of what Paul is saying. All scripture is God-breathed, meaning scripture is supernatural. Scripture is living and active. And engaging with scripture means that we receive what only God can give, life. When God breathes out, he breathes life into creation. He breathes life into our lungs. And we talked about how his life transforms us from the inside out. And to be thoroughly equipped because of scripture, again, isn't necessarily talking about the facts or being able to win an argument, but what do we need more than anything? Life and the presence of God. And so because of the work of Jesus, we are now restored to being in the presence of God. And so when we come into scripture, we are in God's presence. And when we are in God's presence, we get to learn to hear his voice in our lives. And so again, the Bible is the primary way that God speaks. As a church, we're reading through that book, Hearing God, by one of my heroes, Dallas Willard. And there, you know, she, he writes, more of God speaking to me has come in conjunction with study and teaching of the Bible than with anything else. The Bible is the primary way that God speaks. Now, the second truth, we're gonna take this in two statements. The first part is this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Now this is a recap from what Michael taught last week. If you remember, Michael came out of John 14, the last night that Jesus was with his disciples, and he used that Greek word that was describing the Holy Spirit, the parakletos. And if you remember, defined, that means the one that is called to come alongside. And Michael really emphasized that Jesus said, I am sending another to do for you what I have already done. In other words, I am sending you another, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, to speak to you what I have already said. And so the Holy Spirit is our helper. Now the next statement, that illuminates the Bible for us. The Holy Spirit is our helper that illuminates the Bible for us. Think of that picture. To illuminate means what once was dark, what I couldn't see, now there is light. The Holy Spirit is our helper and when we come to the word of God that begins to bring a light and we have those moments where we go, oh, now I see. Now I see that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And so again, I wanna actually take us back to John chapter 14. So turn with me to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 14, and I'm just gonna start at verse 25. So this is Jesus speaking, and he says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Would you underline or highlight that? Will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And so again, as we unpack, Jesus is introducing not just that the Spirit is coming, but Jesus is establishing that a primary role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to help us hear, is to help us rehear what God has already spoken. The Holy Spirit, one of its primary roles is to help us hear God through the written word. And why that is so important is again, Often, unintentionally, as Christ followers, we make a false separation. We can often view the Bible and the Holy Spirit as separate. For many of us in our lives, we can look at other spiritual disciplines and go, yes, the Holy Spirit, I encounter and I expect the Holy Spirit in prayer. 
The Holy Spirit, I expect to encounter the Holy Spirit in worship. Yes, I expect the Holy Spirit in miracles or in prophecy or in these acts, but there's many of us that functionally we don't expect the Holy Spirit to meet us through the word of God. And so we need to remember the words of Jesus we just read. That's one of his primary roles. When it comes to the Bible, you are not meant to engage it alone. God has gifted you his spirit to help you, to train you, to equip you through the grace of God. Reading the Bible is a team sport. We have the spirit in us to lead us in that. There in your note sheet, there's a quote by Jen Wilkin and J.T. English. They're Bible teachers, authors, and they wrote this wonderfully accessible book called You Are a Theologian. And they write this, the Holy Spirit illumines our darkest hearts and minds so we can understand and be transformed by scripture. Put another way, the Holy Spirit still speaks what God has spoken. When we open the Bible, the Holy Spirit meets us there. And some of you maybe are realizing in this moment that the Holy Spirit has been doing this for you already. Many times you have commented to me or to Michael or to Joel that there are certain messages we give that you would say, man, I feel like you were talking just to me in that message. Here's the truth. We had nothing to do with that. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit illuminating what God is saying through his word. Many of you throughout the years have said similar things as you've been doing your life group studies, as you've been doing a devotional, as your life groups have been doing a specific book study in the word that you sit there and go, whoa, what is going on? Was this always here? Why is this hitting me different? That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And here's again the beautiful thing. Does that mean that when we come to the Bible, we are never gonna be confused? No. But it means we have an incredible trainer who's not just gonna simply give us quick answers, but is gonna teach us how to seek, how to pursue, how to wrestle, how to trust. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And so we needed those two truths to lay a foundation. Now at the time we have left, let's build upon that foundation. And if we want to learn how to hear God through his word, there are three key areas that I think are really going to set us on that track. So there in your note sheet, to continue that metaphor, you've got a section titled, Turning the Light On. And the first area is what I would say is the foundational rhythm for the following two. The following two are built on this first one. So the first area is this, dwelling. Dwelling. If we want to learn to hear God through the word then we need to develop the rhythm of dwelling on scripture. And I've used that word before in different teachings. I really like it because at its, at its simplest definition, to dwell is either to st- spend extended time or the one I love is to live. Your dwelling is where you live. And so again, what is God's vision for each of our lives? That we would be a people that live with God. That we would be a people that live in his presence, that live with his spirit, that live in his word. And that's the gift of scripture. Is that when we begin to dwell on scripture, we begin to live with his word. We begin to live with his voice in our lives. And so what's the vision of dwelling? Well, dwelling in scripture means slowing down. I've been talking a lot about that in the last six months, haven't I? Because I'm finding the power in our maturity of slowing down. The vision of dwelling is spending extended time in scripture, listening, reading, whatever it is, the ways you engage, and focusing. When we slow down, when we sit unrushed, we begin to focus and we can see. And again, for our series, we can hear in a way that we couldn't before. There on your note sheet, 
from the Old Testament, Joshua chapter one, this is the Lord speaking to a leader who is taking over in a new season. He's got some big shoes to fill, Moses' shoes. There is a lot of turmoil. There is still a lot of pain in the nation of Israel. And this is what God says. Keep this book of the law, the Bible, always on your lips. What's the next word? Meditate. Not in some odd Zen New Age way. Dwell. Live on it. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. What we would call here at Rocky Peak, listen and follow. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And what is success? It's our hearts in union with God. It's living in the presence of God. And how do we get there? By dwelling on his word. You know, during the Greater Things series, if you remember, I was talking about Michael Jordan. And I quoted this pastor, John Mark Comer, that used this phrase I've come to really like, that he had a whole life architecture devoted to training. And so when it comes to being Christ followers that are hearing God through the word, the Bible cannot be something that we try to fit into our lives. The Bible needs to be what we build our lives around, a whole life architecture. It cannot be something that we attempt to fit into our lives. It has to be what we build our lives around because it contains the voice, the presence, and the power of God himself. And again, there's a lot of ways when we talk about prosperous and successful, but here's the truth. When we slow down, we become better listeners. I don't need you to raise your hand, but have you ever messed up something because you heard it wrong, because you were moving too fast? Have you ever messed up something in a friendship or relationally or forgotten to show up to something because you skimmed it, you kind of half heard it, you're like, yeah, 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 I got it. Let me take you back to the dentist. About three weeks ago, I showed up for my dentist appointment. First thing in the morning, I sat down, and my hygienist came out, and Debbie, as sweet as ever, goes, hey, you're early. And I'm like, yeah, I'm about 10 minutes early. She's like, no, you're a week early. (laughs) And I was really surprised. Like, well, how did that happen? And so I pulled up the confirmation email, and there it was, clear as day. So how did I mess that up? Because I skimmed it. And the email wasn't even that long. (laughs) It was a statement. I was close, but close was still wrong. Christ follower, this is a conviction of my heart, but sometimes I like to hang my hat on, I'm close when it comes to spiritual maturity. I'm close. I got it. I spent some time. I spent a couple minutes in the Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm close. It's not good enough. And that's not in a conviction way. That's God wants more. God wants more. And so it's a whole life architecture. And here's what I love about dwelling. Again, why this is the foundation for these three areas. Because when we begin to actually dwell in the word, it moves this statement of I want to hear God's voice in my life out of simply being sentiments and it makes it true. It's a great sounding sentiment, but it needs action. It needs truth. It needs a life behind it. And so dwelling is the foundational rhythm where we begin to hear God through his word. Now, let's move on to the next one. But the next one, like I said, is built upon dwelling. So the second fill-in is this, context. Context. Meaning, now that we are slowing down, we want to begin to learn how do I read the Bible in context. The Bible is God's word to each and every one of us right now. 
And at the same time, we are not the original audience that the books of the Bible were written to. The meaning and the intent is applicable for all of, for all of eternity. But to get clarity, we need to understand how was this meant, how was this intended, and how was this understood by the original recipients. Who was this originally written to? What was going on in their lives, in their culture, in their circumstances at the time? Because what tends to happen when we read the Bible is we tend to put it into our context. We put it in a modern context, and then what happens is we end up playing the telephone game. We end up distorting some of the meaning. We end up missing some of what's there, maybe glossing over some things that were intended to be focused on. And I would say often that is unintentional. So how do we read the Bible? Well, we begin by slowing down and dwelling, and we begin by asking questions. And again, this is not simply about gaining more facts. What I have found many times in my life is when I begin to understand the context behind a particular passage or section or book of scripture, I begin to experience more of the power that God intended behind it. And so let me give you an example of this. This isn't in your note sheet, but I've taught and I've quoted many times over the last year a particular section of Hebrews chapter 10. And in particular, verse 23, so Hebrews 10, 23, is that word I really like when the author tells us, hold on unswervingly to the hope you have in Jesus. Now, if we just take that verse right now with no context, that's a beautiful verse, right? That's a truthful verse, that's a good thing. Put it on a plaque, hanging in the wall, that's a good thing. But when we begin to understand the context behind those words, all of a sudden it takes on a much bigger meaning. The book of Hebrews was written decades after the resurrection of Jesus. The Roman Empire was never what you would call friendly to the church of Christ. But at the time that this letter was written, the, the Roman Empire had become violently antagonistic. This is the true definition of persecution. Followers of the way of Jesus were dying were being martyred. The original disciple, the key leaders of the church, the men that had walked physically were Jesus, were starting to die. Being a follower of Jesus meant risking your life, and they had seen their church brothers and sisters lose their life because of proclaiming Jesus. These are weary believers that are on the verge of quitting because this is hard, and the cost is too high. And so what is the context? What is the heart that the Holy Spirit is trying to get to these recipients? That even in your darkest nights, and the Holy Spirit is not minimizing, the Holy Spirit acknowledging this is a dark night. But even in your darkest nights, you have a very real hope. You have a very real hope in Jesus. Do you see how much bigger that became because of context? That went from being a beautiful and a nice verse so there is power behind that. There is power, and that's the beauty of context. It's not simply about facts or knowledge. It's about power. And so to learn to read the Bible in context, we need some helpful tools to be able to help us do that. And so a couple of suggestions. One, you're already doing it, preaching. That's why we preach the way we do at Rocky Peak. That's why we take our time is to be able to bring more context to the passages. Another great tool is the life group studies that are produced every week. And whether or not you're in a life group or a sermon-based life group out when, when we're not doing an all-church study, those are incredible tools to help you read the context. Another tool I would, I would recommend that I've done before is a study Bible. 
You can get one physically, you can get one digitally, but a study Bible gives you some context. It gives you notes, it, brings, it tries to bridge uh, simple gaps between our culture and the original culture. My favorite part of actually most study Bibles is before each of the 66 books, it just gives you a brief little rundown of who this was originally written to, of what was going on in their lives at the time, what are some key themes to be aware as we go through. A third tool that I really, really like is on YouTube, there is a channel, an organization called The Bible Project. And many of you are familiar with it, is that they do these short, whether from five to 10 minute videos that are animated, but they're engaging and they break down the context of certain words. They break down the concepts of certain circumstances or events in the Bible or even books themselves. Since the beginning of the year, they've actually started a new series in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew's Gospel. The Bible Project, they have their own app as well, but I really like them as a tool to learn the context of the Bible. So context is the second one. The third one, the last one is this, highlights. What I'm calling highlights. And again, this happens when we slow down and dwell on scripture what we begin to notice is that then the Holy Spirit will begin to put neon lights around specific verses or passages to lead you in your specific life. Because when I read the Bible, as much as I want to at times, I am not going to find the phrase, Dre, here's exactly what to do in this situation. But that's what the Holy Spirit does by highlighting specific passages. And again, the Spirit tends not to do that in a rush. But let me share with you what this can look like. This is one example, but a way that the Spirit's been doing this recently in my life. I mentioned in our previous series that since the beginning of the year, uh, many mornings I've been engaging in a spiritual discipline called praying the scriptures. Specifically, I've been praying the Psalms. And so what that means is when I do this, I take one Psalm at a time and I'll slowly read through it, but I'll stop every couple of verses, pause, and pray what those verses are saying, or use those verses to ask God, search my heart in this area. And one thing that really caught my attention that the Holy Spirit was highlighting is when you go sequentially, a lot of the opening Psalms are written by David. And regularly, David is talking in the Psalms about his enemies. And David is incredibly, in fact, I'll use the word brutally honest when he talks to God about his enemies. He is incredibly honest about his frustration. He's incredibly honest about his sadness, his depression, his fear. And he's incredibly honest about what he wants God to do to his enemies. In fact, violently so. David will say, God, kill my enemies. God, smash the teeth of my enemies. And as I've been reading these Psalms early on, when I started this practice, I began to feel the Holy Spirit highlighting those what I call enemy passages. And I was really confused. And I remember pausing the first time and going, I don't feel like I have that rage or anger or bitterness towards a person or an organization or something in my life, but I feel that the Holy Spirit is asking me to dwell here. Okay, God, search my heart. Am I, am I really angry and I'm just missing it? And so as we sat, not just at one time, but as we continue to sit, I began to feel the Lord release and go, no, it's not about anger but he was still highlighting those passages. I'm like, okay, so, so what? So dwell, sit, wait. And as I continued to show up, as I continued to do that, then I finally began to hear the voice of God going, don't focus so much on the enemy part of this. Focus so much on the honesty. Because David wasn't always right in what he was asking. But that's how much he trusted God, that he held nothing back. What this is, this is an image of a beautifully intimate and authentic relationship in which David could honestly say, I trust God so much, I can just be me. 
I can be raw and messy and disgusting and sinful, and I know that God is with me, that God loves me, and God will transform me. And so he began to highlight that to me, and then that led me to pray a very dangerous prayer. Okay. So Jesus, where am I holding back? Where am I not being honest with you? And not in an outright lying way, where am I not acknowledging the depths of my feelings with you? And if you remember in the first week, Michael talked about one of the uh, barriers to hearing God is feeling that God is too busy. And sometimes, again, we don't talk to God honestly because we sit there and we think, Michael talked about, we think we're, do, we're honoring God by going, no, he's got a lot of things he needs to do. Or God, you've got this. I know you're going to work this out in the end. But God was making it very clear through this highlight tray, you're stuck in a rut. And one of the reasons why you're stuck in the rut is you're not telling me the truth. So how do you feel? How do you feel about me? And he began to shine a light in some key areas, some key fears, some key disappointments, some key bitterness. And again, he began challenging me. You pride yourself on being a good, loyal soldier. I'm telling you right now, the most loving thing you can do in our relationship is just be honest. Because I can take it. And now as I continue to pray through the Psalms and I continue to come across these enemy passages, I know exactly what to pray for. And not only that, I've seen the impact it has on my ability to hear the Lord. I've seen the impact it has on my family and my relationships. And that's one example of how the Lord highlights Scripture for us or can highlight Scripture for us. But again, that only came because of dwelling of slower, unrushed time. And so the Bible is the primary way that God speaks. The Holy Spirit is our helper to illuminate the word. And when we begin to build the rhythm of dwelling, then upon that we begin to search and see the Bible in context, and we begin to give space for the Holy Spirit to highlight how the word is gonna lead our specific life, amen? Hey, I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come on out. And as we transition into our last time of worship, right before we do, I want to invite us to do one key thing. You might notice that on the back of your program, I actually wrote out a large section of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is one of my favorite sections of the New Testament. And for those of you that are looking for a starting point on dwelling on Scripture, if you're building a new rhythm with the Word, I would encourage you to take that note sheet and use that in your one-on-one time. But before we go ahead and go into this last song of worship, what I want to do is I just want to give us an opportunity to experience a taste of dwelling on the word of God. And so in a moment, what we're gonna see is that the first four verses of scripture are gonna come on the screen, one at a time, about every 30 seconds, it's gonna transition to the next one. And I just wanna invite you to simply sit, read, and listen. Sit, read, and listen to what the Lord has to say through his word. And again, we're only gonna do this for about two minutes because I'm just trying to give you a taste of what the Lord is inviting us into as a church. And so I'll pray right now to lead us in and then I'm gonna pray to close it and we're gonna go to worship, but just briefly pray with me. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our hearts to what you have to say through the word. And so again, that's gonna come on the screens. Let's just sit
this room. For me, I always feel the Spirit drawing me to that statement in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life? And what that reminds me is that, Jesus, you are not simply a part of my life, but you are everything. You are my whole life. And as a person, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as an employee, whatever the aspects of my life are, I want them to be built on you. I needed to be reminded that I don't do any of those things separated from you, but with you. I said, Jesus, I want to pray that over my life. I want to pray that over us as a congregation. When Christ, who is our life? And so as we go into the singing this last song, as we go into this week, my prayer for us as a church is that one of the distinctives of Rocky Peak is that we would be known as a people who are hearing God's voice through the word. We would be known as a people with a high value, a passion for holy scripture, that we'd be a people that would learn to dwell on the word of God, that would share this with our friends, that would share this with our families, as parents, that we would share this with our children. When Christ, who is your life, Jesus, thank you that we can declare that. Thank you that we can say you are our life. Thank you that we're no longer dead. Thank you that we have the gift of the Spirit. Thank you that we get to come to your word. We get to come to your presence. We get to hear the voice of God, the Father, because of your grace. And so as we sing this last song, let it be from a heart of gratitude that says thank you for your word. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for the fact that only the word of God gives life. Thank you, King Jesus. It's in your name we all said, amen.